Okay, uh, here we go. We're back. Friday night, uh, 8.30 on Friday night in the French Quarter. It's the Bayou Classic weekend. Yesterday was Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And I, when I say everybody, I say that optimistically. Um, it looked like this last episode only had one download. So whoever that one person is, you are very special, and I really do appreciate it. Um, tonight, I don't know which chapter I'm going to pick. I'm running out of options, though, because this will be the 11th. This is the 11th uh, podcast. So welcome to the 11th uh, show. And um, and I've got a week into um, that audio book that we launched for my poems. And I think uh, Nick's probably family was the only person, or maybe Nick bought it. We have one sale, and it's not a long one, so it's not. Uh, it shouldn't be too expensive. I don't know what the pricing is on the. But uh, yeah, I'm working on uh, another book in my real name, the second volume of my. Uh, so I'm just churning out books right now, and then I'm gonna have uh, my fourth quarter of the poems done, and. Uh, I'm, I don't know how, how I'm going to manage this, but there's a piece of me that says I'm going to, I'm going to wind up cutting, you know, maybe 20,000 words or so from my personal book, maybe more from my, my book or my real name. And I'm thinking about using those words somehow in a book under this name, this pen name. So whether that's fiction or nonfiction, I don't really know. But we'll figure that out later. Uh, so I'm going to play. Uh, I have no idea which poems I've already played. And obviously not many of you have listened to this show at all. So you wouldn't really be boring you either. But uh, I'm going to add some poems. And then I'll add in. Uh, I got to take a look and see which chapters I haven't done yet. So anyways, I got no uh, no guest. I did okay. Look, I got my third. Uh, who I got another five, my five star review. I got a, three five star reviews now. I've had two for several months now. I just got my third one on this book. Um, I saw it today, and I'm having some success. I'm getting some clicks with the Facebook ads, and um, yeah, for this month I've gotten you know like 470 pages read. Actually, it's been in the last, I think in the last 14 days, I've had 12 days. Or, or no, since the 6th. What's that? 18 days has been only two days I haven't had a read or a sale. And it went like 11 days in a row, which is amazing. It was a great feel. It's a great feeling to see it every day. I'm starting to get spoiled with it. Oh. But anyway, uh... Excuse me. I'll figure out how to cut that out. Anyways, I think uh, I'm done, and I will. Uh, I'll see y'all. I'll I'll talk to y'all after we play it for a little bit. Feels like Morgus Magnificent on Friday night or Saturday night uh, downtown New Orleans, and it may not last forever either because this lawsuit's gonna get really dirty this week on uh, Tuesday, which is my birthday, and then. Uh, yeah, I may not be running this store anymore, so I might be looking for something else to do. But 
Anyways, uh, four minutes is long enough. Take it easy. Peace. Chapter 14. Hostess Cenotes. Tall and tan and young and lovely. Frank Sinatra. I had some luck using the SA app in Mexico between Playa del Carmen and Tulum on my second trip during the summer of 2017. I didn't try too much in Cancun, but I did in Playa while sitting on the rooftop of an Airbnb condo I booked last minute. I listened to the ocean and watched the sunset while favoriting the girls with English profiles. I can't understand the frictions Airbnb has in the States, except when it crowds out housing for locals. It's lazy to blame one factor, like Airbnb, while ignoring all other factors that contribute to making the situation worse. Mexico treats Airbnb like any other hotel, welcoming people on vacation and everything works out great. Like many resort towns, the housing near the action is too expensive for most locals, which validates the popularity of the location. I'm acutely sensitive to this topic because of my own bad luck and miscalculations while experimenting as an Airbnb host. When I think back on this massive failure, which I write about in part two, The Deals, I would have had more success being a host in Mexico. I rented a home on a golf course in Vegas, then let my plugs buddy market the listing on his lifestyle travel site. His business of referring all types of travelers was booming, and I tried to jump on board. He represented hosts all over the world and estimated I'd do two and a half to four times the rent in monthly revenues after his cut, which sounded like a deal. He booked it with a film crew for the first six weeks, and I made a few hundred bucks to pay back some of the furniture and utilities. Then a Chinese family stayed for a week, followed by a group that canceled, a family from New York in town for the jeweler show and the Sacramento Kings basketball team. We listed the golf course mansion as a 420 friendly retreat minutes from the strip with a pool, hot tub, and guard-gated security. We got busted after some kids playing for the Kings booked the whole house at 2 o'clock in the morning, the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. I told the Airbnb broker we needed to cancel, but he begged me not to because the customer was an elite status and he didn't want to ding his rating. I remember yelling how little I gave a fuck about his rating, but he didn't cancel it and I didn't want them causing a scene with the gate security, so I picked them up at the airport. That mistake cost me about 30 grand and a couple of friendships. I'm still pissed. The dumbass white kid that booked the house was the manager and former Kentucky teammate of Willie Cauley-Stein. Willie did what he called playing for the Sacramento Kings at the time. I told these young men to make sure all their buddies knew not to mention anything about Airbnb to the security guards. That was the only reason I picked them up at the airport, drove them to get a new phone, listened to their conspiracy to dodge drug tests before holiday weekends, endured them singing songs about eating Molly and Percocets, and begged them not to get me busted. Then they invited their girlfriends, and afterward, the security guards told me that's how we got busted. Multiple women were trying to get in the gates late at night yelling about going to Willie's Airbnb pool party. I don't speak Spanish fluently, but I know enough to open and close a bar and restaurant. I can read some signs or understand the spirit of the message, but I'm pretty good at using Google Translate when chatting on dating apps. I'm sure the reader knows it's not my native language. My profile stays in English, but it's good for trying to learn the vocabulary. I usually get laughed at for using it, since the messages don't translate exactly, but it shows some effort. I wasn't expecting to match with anyone local who spoke English well, but I hoped to meet young women on vacation. 
I tried filtering the profiles to only those in English, but noticed tons in Hebrew. Then I narrowed the search to only English profiles who were online at the same time. I knew that if I favorited them while online, they might get the message if their inbox wasn't full. Both towns are magnets for some of the most beautiful women from all over the world. Multiple continents send their sexiest to Quintana Roo. The large numbers of young men and women from Israel working in the resort corridors affirmed my hunch that doing business in the retail shops of Playa and Tulum was lucrative. There were several nonstop flights between Cancun and Tel Aviv at the time, and the story I got for the large numbers made sense. The young Israelis go into the military at 18. When they get out, they're great salespeople. Some people say it's the magnetism left over from the meteorite that killed the dinosaurs and attracts people from all over the globe. I think it's the beautiful weather and the bronze-skinned ladies I kept favoriting by the dozen. I was bummed, thinking about wasting time on my phone instead of enjoying being on vacation in Mexico, so I left it inside on the charger to smoke a roach outside. But then, I heard the SA app chime alert. Marisol favorited me back. Okay, okay, uh, welcome back. Uh, I picked chapter 14, and... Uh, Man, I, I realize now, you know, there's there's a few of them that I haven't picked. So we, we got enough. We have enough uh, content for several more of these episodes. Uh, okay, this one was a girl that I had met, and uh, in uh, Mexico, in Tulum, actually, and oof, I might have. I might have met her twice, or I might I might have met her on two separate trips. I really can't remember all the details. I'm glad I got a chance to write these when I did, because now when I think back on them, they all, they all feel like somebody else's life. But um, but this girl, this girl was very cool, and uh, I still see her number in my WhatsApp uh, list if I scroll down from long enough ago. And I can't remember her real real name, but um, but I do remember you know I do remember meeting her, and I do remember going to that restaurant. Well, I don't know if I got to that point. No, I haven't got to that point because in the uh, when I just listened to it, I stopped it right after, yeah, right after I made the connection on the app. So I'll I'll hold off on that, and and like I said, I'll try to pick a poem too. So. Uh, I'll let you get back to the story of the girl in uh, Tulum, and I do miss going to Mexico, so this one makes me jealous. And uh, the girl from Ipanema song is definitely appropriate for this one, because so, that's what the girl looks like, exactly what uh, the song makes me think of. So, Anyways, enjoy. Peace. She was born in Veracruz, but moved to Tulum to work in the resorts on the beach as a restaurant manager. She called herself a glorified hostess after studying food and beverage operations in Playa del Carmen. She fell in love with the cenotes south of Tulum and wanted her daughter to study marine biology one day. She was tall and slender, nearly as tall as me with light brown skin, the Mexican version of Lucy. I couldn't keep my eyes off her athletic legs and hips. Her dress kept lifting in the breeze. She had such a sensual neck and shoulders. I couldn't follow the conversation without daydreaming about kissing her all over. The common tourist dress code was called Hippie Chic Meets Broke Homeless Drunk. All the boutiques sell the same outfits, and I'm guessing that's driven by the Israeli retail mob. 
It gets hot and humid, so loose-fitting minimalist attire makes sense, allowing the breeze to cool one off after sweating constantly. They aren't able to protect against all the mosquitoes that attack once the sun goes down, and everyone is using bug spray. Like the busboy I'll always be, I watched her stand up from our table and walk to one of the server stations to grab a bottle of bug spray. She lifted her flowery dress to spray all over her body, allowing me a glimpse of her fluorescent green thong and six-pack abs with a belly button ring dangling. I wanted those legs wrapped around my head, but I kept wondering if that spray was landing in other people's drinks, food, or silverware in this outdoor dining room. She passed me the spray bottle and smiled, knowing she gave me and the whole restaurant a show. I miss that type of confidence. We first met at a busy tourist bar or mescaleria full of drunk vacationers and too loud to hear each other. It was on the main drag in Tulum and easy to find, but we left to get some fresh air. We walked down the street past a mojito cart that was made from an ancient Volkswagen convertible bug with a drunk bartender pedaling a stationary wheel that was crushing the ice. The pedaling made the headlights of the car light up as he was grinding the ice into several mojito glasses. She wasn't a fan of the college kids, as she called them, and suggested we get in a cab and head to the beach. I had a rental car with strong AC parked around the corner, so we headed that way. Tulum, other than the Mayan ruins, is a jungle on the beach turned tourist paradise fueled by bars, restaurants, and resorts full of cabanas. Due to insecure property rights, no major hotels have been built on the disputed land. Some resort owners have been kicked out after their businesses were confiscated. These market shocks have created a huge boom in the Airbnb mini-castle construction in the middle of the forest. We spent a long time talking about all she had witnessed during the boom. The growth will most likely continue if the ambitious plan to reconnect all the known Mayan ruins with high-speed rail becomes reality. Running the length of the state of Quintana Roo and splitting east at Tulum is a proposed government-financed high-speed train. It's been talked about for years, but the current president is pushing it after killing an airport expansion. Some plans have it going through a town called Coba, which is where I looked at several lots for sale with the help of Mr. Tulum. I told her about the lots he showed me, and then I brought her with me to meet him for pizza, but he didn't show up. Coba is about 30 miles inland from Tulum on a barely developed highway, but the lots were less than half the price. The realtor took us on a drive that went deep into the jungle on a very bumpy road, beating that rental up. Countless Mayan ruins are still being discovered buried in these jungles, so I'm not sure if I missed an opportunity or got lucky not paying for land that I can't get the title to. We drove away from the main highway and towards the Mayan ruins, beach resorts, clothing shops, bars, and restaurants. The sun was starting to go down and the traffic was getting heavy, so we parked where she said it was safe and easy to exit later. I liked walking and trusted her judgment since she'd worked there for the last few years. During the ride, I commented how I'd love to live there and open some businesses, and she confided how messed up the local housing had become. She compared the rents to what people pay in New York City, which was impossible for her. She was conflicted about embracing the growth which created her job, but she couldn't afford to live within a 30-minute commute. She explained that since all the development was being used for Airbnb and other vacation rental sites, the locals like her were priced out. The town was attracting investors from all over the world, but didn't have room for the local workers who are needed to serve the tourists. No one she knew could afford a year-long lease in Tulum, so people would carpool or stay with friends like she does. The closest available housing was in the Playa suburbs, but still expensive with the added cost of the commute. 
Driving 45 minutes to work in Tulum wasn't part of her original plan, so she wasn't sure what to do next. She spent half the week staying at her friend's house in Tulum, and the other half driving back to Playa to stay with her parents if her car doesn't break down. This point made buying that land near Coba more interesting. The dual purpose of obtaining the collateral and multi-unit housing rentals. Since I would need the land for the commercial lease, and a local worker was telling me she had nowhere to live, the game plan was writing itself. As we talked about the bars, she understood the demand and the absence of competition. She hadn't seen the daiquiri machines in many places other than Fat Tuesday, and she understood the opportunity. I wish I would have been smart enough to invest in that Mexican state instead of failing like I did. Ooh, okay. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Um, yeah, I, this this one brings back some... I miss one makes me feel bad listening to, and I didn't listen to all of it, but I, every time I see an Instagram video or TikTok video about people who move to Mexico or Honduras or Belize or some shit, and they all look like they have made the best decision of their life. And I feel like such a moron, even though I wouldn't be in my current position, I guess, if I had moved to Mexico already. But golly, man, um, I'm just this this is this country is increasingly difficult. And um, we just get fucked over so many times. And I'm not saying that people don't get fucked over in Mexico, but it's just so beautiful. It seems like it would be easier to deal with. But anyways, uh, I'm going to get back to playing more of uh, this one. And uh, uh, I can't remember what I was, what the part I was bringing up before, but it doesn't really matter. I hope you're enjoying. And, uh, and yeah. And like I said, I'm going to do another one of my poems. I haven't figured out which one I'm going to do there. And, uh, whew, other than that, eight forty-seven on Friday night in the French quarter, take it easy. Peace. These are the types of conversations I like having with the women I meet on the essay site, entrepreneurial and creative. She told me she was embarrassed to be on the site. She didn't want to have sex with me for the money. And that if we met anyone she knew, please go along that we met on Bumble. She was only on the essay site to meet businessmen because she was tired of dating the local construction guys. She found businessmen sexy. She was too ambitious, which scared Mexican men away. I wanted to have sex with her but didn't want to offend her after she told me she didn't want money for sex. I offered to get her car fixed, but she said no. Dinner was plenty. She was happy to finally have a good business conversation. We both agreed we enjoyed each other's company and should try to see each other again before I leave. The dinner that first night was good, but since we were outside and the restrooms were like outhouses behind our table, it didn't feel sanitary. The other odd part was that they didn't take credit cards, only cash or PayPal. I didn't have enough cash and couldn't remember my PayPal password, so I fumbled on my phone trying to reset my password before paying for dinner. Every now and then, I look through my PayPal history and see that restaurant and smile, remembering the cool experience. But then I see the landlord of that golf course house I listed on Airbnb, and I get pissed. A couple nights later, we met again for dinner at an outdoor pizza restaurant despite the steady rain. The whole dining area was covered with leaves, and she was a good sport. We met some strangers at the other tables, and we all had a good time. 
After our first date and conversation, she had lots of questions, especially about the real estate guy I mentioned, Mr. Tulum. This turned me on so damn much, and I think she could tell. She told me to beware of any promises he makes because he's had problems delivering the title and other buyers are pissed at him. That made sense because I had some funny feelings and didn't feel comfortable pressing forward despite my ambitions. I didn't want some real estate guy to be the reason I ran out of cash. After dinner, we drove to an ice cream shop on the main strip before going to her girlfriend's house. We parked on the street in front of her house before starting to make out. The kiss was hot and intense. I got lost in the moment, forgetting whether the doors were locked. I kept going in and out of the bliss and worrying about getting robbed, but I didn't have much cash on me anyway. I started rubbing her legs and moved my hand under her dress to rub her clit over her underwear. I could tell it was working from her breathing patterns and the blood swelling her privates. I slid my finger underneath her underwear and started feeling inside her while she leaned back in the seat, giving me a better angle. Her body was quivering before and after she came all over my hand and squeezed my wrist between her thighs. I was cool rubbing her for as long as she let me. My arm was sore, but she didn't want to leave, so I didn't stop. We kept this going another 10 or 15 minutes. She either real or fake came two or three times before pulling my arm away, saying she needed to go inside. When she turned to open the door and the light came on inside the rental car, I noticed inside her ear was a huge whitehead pimple. It looks like it had been ready to pop weeks ago, and I wanted to pop it, but didn't want to ruin the moment. I couldn't bring myself to mention it after all the coming and kissing. I almost did, right before she closed the door and walked away, but I left it alone. I've thought about what it looked like and how I could have helped her, but so could her friend. I went straight back to my Airbnb, took a shower, and jerked off twice before passing out. Yeah, yeah, man, I still think about that pimple. Uh, I still think about it from time to time. Like, I'm in a driver's seat, and I'm parked in front of this little house in the Lavalita or Lavaletta neighborhood in Tulum. And not a lot of lights, but I can see on the left, you know, maybe the street, the street turns. So there's traffic coming from two different areas and we're making out the whole time. But then when it's time for her to open the door and leave and the light comes on right above my head and she kind of moves her neck and I want to look at her neck and be turned on. But then I see in her, in her ear the inside of her ear. It's a huge pimple. It must have been so uncomfortable, right? It must have been difficult to sleep. Like, how could she have not felt it herself and, like, just kind of, like, tried to to bend her ear? Who knows, man? But anyways, uh, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to end it with a poem. But thank you all for listening. And I appreciate uh, the support. And tell your friends, have ask them to listen and uh, maybe go and uh, uh, listen to the audio book would be great. So appreciate that support. And thanks again. Peace. Colorado versus Colorado State. Glad the game went to overtime and the sunglasses are moot. Both teams played great ball. Weekend Bander was cute. Glad it wasn't a blowout. Like the sports books thought, if CSU wins outright, steak and lobsters are bought tonight. Primetime brings the attention. They knew his skill set. But the misdirection is fishy. Did the mobsters rig this bet?
Easiest win of the day. Rams plus 23. Moneyline underdog? No one could foresee. Loser refs. Crooked backups. Fix them games for a cut. Spoils the whole damn day. Punching fans in the gut. Think back when the Saints lost to the Rams so late. On a shitty missed call, the whole town was irate. People were depressed. Couldn't face the next day. Radio shows erupted. Such nasty things, they say. Now Obama's baseball coach. Fired for sharing the lineup. With a minor league has been. Dumb guy really effed up. He got busted for trying to bet a hundred grand. Cashier refused to take it. Claimed inside firsthand. He told the poor clerk he had proof in his phone. So she called security. And he didn't go home. Straight to jail for him. Trying to be greedy. But the look on his face... It's obvious he's needy. A pitching coach now, washed up minor leaguer. No one else bet that game. He was way too eager. To cheat the system, take advantage of the house. Betting on AI is lurking. As quiet as a mouse.